Welcome to Poptopia. Welcome to Poptopia, your podcast for all things pop culture. I'm your host, Paul French, and it is Friday, August 10th, 2007. And it's here at last, the 100th episode of Poptopia. Took us a little while to get here, but we're here. Uh, So today we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the show, and I've got some other stuff from some of my favorite podcasters to play for you. So, uh, when did the show start? Well, the show started way back uh, November 19th, 2004. I know, a long time ago. And you're thinking, and you're still only at 100 episodes? Well, yeah. Uh, but that's another story. Uh, anyway, the the whole show started basically, I'd been listening to Adam Curry's Daily Source Code and, um, and thought, hey, this podcasting thing sounds really cool. I'm going to give it a try. So um, I hooked up a mic to my trusty iMac and, uh, and recorded my first episode, which was the day after a Q&A that Kevin Smith did at Roy Thompson Hall. That's how I'm able to easily remember the date. Um, and so went to this Q&A, reviewed that, and also talked. I think at the time, my, my main sort of lead topic was the fact that I had, had finally been CSI'd out. You know, too, just too many spinoffs and all that kind of thing, and it was driving me crazy. So I did that first episode, and, and the first episode ran probably about 20 minutes to half an hour. Well, then the second episode, I thought I'm going to try something a bit different. So I brought in a co-host, and the co-host that I brought in was Garner Haynes, and some of those episodes are still out there somewhere, and you can still hear them. Um, and, you know, we basically, we would sort of sit there and just uh, talk about things that were going on in pop culture. We'd talk about different movies. We'd pick a topic and that kind of thing. And the shows ran somewhere around an hour or so. And um, so we did a few of those. And then, well, bandwidth costs started getting a bit prohibitive, so I uh, stopped doing that. And, um, and I actually took a little hiatus from March to probably around June. Um, anyway, what I'm going to be doing today, I'm going to tell more of the story as we go along. But uh, what I'm going to do first is I'm going to play a top five list. What I did is I contacted a bunch of my favorite podcasters and asked them to send in top five lists of something near and dear to them in pop culture. So the first one is from Garner Haynes, who is one of the former co-hosts of Poptopia, and also uh, my co-star, co-producer, and partner in crime over on Hockey Strike at www.hockeystrike.net. So take it away, Garner. Hi, Paul, and congratulations on your 100th podcast. You asked me for a top five list, and I decided I'd try and come up with one that nobody else would, so here are my picks for the top five werewolf movies on DVD. Number five, An American Werewolf in London. Many film and horror geeks would list this as number one, and it certainly has its merits, but I didn't like it as much as the others. It makes a list for its remarkable achievement of a non-crossfade, on-camera transformation scene, courtesy of FX whiz Rick Baker, although it does go on for a while, and Jenny at Gutter. Number four, Underworld. Gets the number four spot. Why? Four words. Kate Beckinsale in leather. Although it mostly focuses on the vampires, this werewolves versus vampires movie features cool CG and some animatronic werewolves, although I like the look of the effect in Van Helsing better. Some awesome stunts and lots of gunplay. Plus it's got Bill Nye in it, and that's always a good thing. Its sequel, Underworld Evolution, has more of the same, plus a love scene and an awesome fight at the end with the uberwolf. Number three, Dog Soldiers. This low-budget but effective little movie was like finding buried bones. A company of British Army soldiers on training maneuvers gets attacked by werewolves. They hole up in a country cottage, and it's here where the homage to Night of the Living Dead becomes most apparent. How do we keep the monsters out, and how long before one of us becomes one of them? It's cut so fast you never get a good look at the beasts, which is a good thing, and features son of Doctor Who, Sean Pertwee. Number two, The Howling, the first one and only the first one. Avoid the others. There are so many things I love about this movie, not the least of which is Elizabeth Brooks. 
It has the coolest looking werewolves, which, unlike most films prior to it, could transform at will rather than just by the light of the full moon. It has some stars, including Patrick McNee, John Steed, and future stars, including Robert Picardo, the hollow duck from Voyager, and Dee Wallace, the mom from E.T., as a TV reporter who needs to get away from it all after a close encounter with a werewolf. It has chock full of in genre in-jokes, and if you see it more than once, it gets even funnier. Number one, Ginger Snaps, best werewolf movie ever. Although its effects are low budget, the animatronic werewolf in the end is disappointing. John Fawcett's direction up to that point provides some great scares where seeing the monster was entirely unnecessary. Great atmosphere and superb script by Karen Walton, who pairs the concept of lycanthropy with female adolescence. They don't call it the curse for nothing. Its script is where it succeeds the most. Clever lines, interesting characters, memorable scenes... Bridget and Ginger are bored goth sisters in a suburban high school, and when Ginger gets bitten, she starts going through more than the usual changes they talk about in health class. It's fierce and fun, and that's why it's number one. Its sequel, Ginger Snaps Unleashed, was almost as good, unlike the third movie, Ginger Snaps Back, which would have been a fine outing if the other two hadn't already existed. Honorable mention goes to the Michael J. Fox movie Teen Wolf, if only for that one scene where he's transforming in the bathroom while his father pounds on the door. Son, what are you doing in there? Nothing, Dad! Now, son, there's nothing you could be doing in there that I haven't seen before. Oh, I don't know about that! And then he opens the door and his dad's a werewolf, too. Son, we have to talk. Best use of that line ever. Wolf, because of Michelle Pfeiffer. Wallace and Gromit in Curse of the Were-Rabbit, because it's got great atmosphere and hits all the right marks of a classic werewolf movie. Which brings me to the classic werewolf movie, the one no lycanthropist would be complete without, the original The Wolfman. Here's to the next 100, Paul. Well, thank you, Garner. And if you want to uh, to hear more of some things that Garner's got to say, well, you need only check out Hockey Strike at www.hockeystrike.net. Uh, Garner is the writer and, of course, the co-star. He plays Scott, and he gets to invent stuff like time machines and all that kind of thing. Anyway, so uh, so what happened is went on a bit of a hiatus uh, doing Poptopia. So from sort of March of 2005 through the June, um, I didn't really do anything uh, with it. Um, then I started to get into a lot of other podcasts and thought, you know, I really should get back to doing it. And I thought, well, you know, I had issues with bandwidth um, and just time in which to complete the episodes. You know, I was finding myself really busy with work and everything. I thought, how am I going to find the time to do this? So I came up with a new format for Poptopia. And what it would be would be 15 minutes exactly 15 minutes. So I would work out what all my stories were, and I had to basically be concise because I had 15 minutes to get it all out and, and done in. And uh, this was sort of an answer to something that uh, Adam Curry had said on uh, The Daily Source Code, where he had said, you know, there's a real need for shorter podcasts out there, you know, things that are sort of a quick listen uh, in between some of the longer things. So I thought, well, I'll answer that call. So I started doing that. And you always wonder sometimes if you're kind of operating in a vacuum. And really, you know, I hadn't heard any feedback on the show, and uh, I knew I knew friends of mine were listening to it, but uh, I wasn't sure that anyone else was. Well, then one day I get an email from a guy in Detroit, who's uh, it seems is into a lot of the same things as me. And that guy is Michael O'D. For most people, are DJs, and longtime listeners of this show know that uh, that often uh, Michael and I have had uh, Skype casts where we've sort of discussed a few things that are going on. And way back around episode fourteen or fifteen, we did a, a crossover episode when he came up to uh, to visit uh, during the uh, Fan Expo in August of two thousand five. Anyway, of course, the episode wouldn't be complete if I didn't have a top five from from Michael O'D. And in fact, I've got two. Here's the first. Hey, Paul. Happy anniversary. Happy 100. 
Michael O.D. here from Most People Are DJs, and just sent a request for top five list. Now, I'm one of those people that admire people who compile lists, and I read books about it. I talk to people, ask them what their lists are, but when it comes down to my own list, I'm not very good at it. It's, I think it tends to be that I'm not a very obsessive person, I, or I am an obsessive person. I just tend to obsess on a whole lot of things at different times, going back and forth, not really focusing on any one thing. So top five list, when I try to think of something, I think about, oh, my top favorite five ghosts. And I come up with like three ghost names. You know, I'm not very good at it. My top favorite five horror movies. And, you know, I could list a hundred horror movies, but do I really have a top five favorite? Not really. What I can do is what I always do with my show. The top five things I'm into right now, this minute, top five things I'm into. There's always five things that I tend to be looking at at one time or listening to. Number five, just finished doing this, the uh, G4 Comic-Con coverage from San Diego. Yeah, it was cheesy. Yeah, you know, they could have done a much better job, but I couldn't go anywhere else for it. And I really missed going to the San Diego Con. So to watch four hours of coverage on the San Diego Comic-Con, terrific. And I spent a lot of time doing that. Number four, the Arctic Monkeys new CD called Your Favorite Worst Nightmare. I hadn't listened to much of the Arctic Monkeys' first record, but I know that they'd gotten a lot of media coverage and huge in the U.K., won awards for Best New Band and all that. But I kind of let them slip by, and they didn't make much of a statement in America. Their second release is out, and people were saying good things about it. Got a chance to listen to it. I put the CD in my car player, and it hasn't left for the past week and a half. I just keep listening to it over and over. In fact, I don't even haven't paid much attention to what the labels of the tracks are. I just like the whole record as a complete so much. Fantastic record. Highly recommend it. The one thing I can't recommend is the artwork. How a band can put an album that sounds so good and then put our artwork for the album that is so bad. I don't know. The whole CD thing with artwork just bugs me. Number three, Flight of the Concords. <laughs> best new TV show. Best summer TV show. These guys are just so funny. And they are, it's on HBO, a little half-hour comedy show. Two guys from New, Ze- new Zealand playing acoustic music, normally having a theme to do with a show. Their shows typically run the same type of, let's start out talking, let's start out with one situation, we have our one fan, we have a band meeting, and then we have our song that has to do with the episode. But every every episode has been lots of fun. Number two, the Postmodern Rock Show podcast. Great podcast I just discovered, though it's probably been out, I think he said he's been doing it for four or five years. You know, that's that's about, that's me though. Always late to the game. Postmodern Rock Show podcast fantastic podcast i'll put up a link for it plays a lot of good music that i like if you like michael Odie's music you will like the music they play on postmodern rock show the number one thing i'm into and i know you're into this too it's the uh new book by and it's not that new but for me you know like i said i'm always a little behind chuck klosterman's uh is titled four and it really what four is is it's a collection of all the kind of different stories he's written with different bands some fictional writing not some essay writing and it is just what i like about it is it's all these little pieces that you can just kind of take as little meals each day i'm just going to read one chapter one little um entry that he wrote with his things are always too short he always starts out uh, interviewing a band and you think wow this is really going to go deep and then he kind of cuts it short but his his introspections the way he looks at things and the way he comments on things when he does an interview or a profile on a band you totally get his opinion. He doesn't hold back. I like that. He tells you little bits of information. The bands, the people he's interviewing with, probably never want you to know. But he's so good at what he does. People want him to interview them, even though they may they may reveal the worst. So I'm reading that book. I'm only about a third of the way through it. It's going to take me a long time to read it because while I'm reading it, I'm reading all my other stuff, and I'm not just trying to plow through it. Again, you know, it's just a little bit each day. Chuck Klosterman 4. So that is my top five list of things right now 
And I know that's cheating. I feel bad about it. But happy 100, Paul. I will talk to you later. Well, thank you very much, Mike. And, you know, it's never a cop-out to talk about the top five things you're into right now because that's what popular culture is all about. And I think uh, the best uh, sort of definition for pop culture that I've heard in in recent years was from uh, Adam Murdo on the Comic Geek Speak podcast when he mentioned once that popular culture is the anthropology of the present. Now, I do think he was quoting someone else, but I'm going to attribute it to to Adam Murdo because that also is what pop culture is all about. Um, and besides that, you can't go wrong if, if number one on your list is something to do with Chuck Klosterman. Big fan of Chuck Klosterman. I think on an early show, I, I reviewed uh, Killing Yourself to Live, which was his book about rock and roll and death, which was just fantastic. Um, and, of course, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Pops is a favorite of mine. Um, and, and probably a, a, he had a good deal of, of inspiration as to uh, as to wanting to do this kind of show, um, where we sort of covered a lot of the different things that I was into, and um, and I think certainly I had just finished Killing Yourself to Live around the time that I started the show, so it really isn't too surprising now, is it? Um, or or uh, maybe it was a little while before, and I was rereading it at the time. I don't know, something crazy like that. Anyway, so I understand that you were feeling a little guilty about your list, so you sent me another one. And here it is. Hey, Paul, Mike Lodi again. I'm feeling a little guilty. Yeah, I, I, I took the easy way out. So, yeah, it's a couple days later. Put together this list of the top five punk rock songs. Now, I know when you look at the definition of punk rock, lots of people could pick songs and people would say, well, that's not really a punk rock song. But I think that with these top five, every single song in it, I, I think you can argue that these are definitely punk songs and they're definitely my top five punk rock songs that is. Number five. Death Valley 69 by Sonic Youth. This this goes into a little bit of the art rock territory, but this song, when it hit me, and, and the story it tells, is just fantastic. Yeah. Noise Blair, Lydia Lunch, great song. Number four, Stay Free by The Clash. It's my only Clash song on here, and I, there's so many Clash songs I could have picked. I picked Stay Free mostly because, really, you know, the punk rock anthem, some of the things that are said in this song are just tremendous. It's off Give Enough Rope, which is, if there's a punk Clash album, I think it's Give Enough Rope. It's Mick Jones singing. I didn't pick a strummer song, so that would be the one anti-punk thing about it, maybe. Number three. And these three, the, the next three, they could all go interchange one by one, either way, any other way around. But it's Smash It Up by The Damned from Machine Gun Etiquette. Machine Gun Etiquette, I will put as my favorite punk rock album ever. Cannot be beaten. Smash It Up. The studio version, it's a little too clean, and it doesn't really sound as vital and as energetic as you want it to sound, but I've heard a live at CBGB's version that just rips. And when I hear that, when I hear the song, even if it's the studio version, I think about that live version and just how ripping it is, and the whole theme of Smash It Up. It was covered by, let's see, who was it covered by? It was for a Batman movie, of all things, and not a very good cover of it. But the Offspring covered it. I'm just saying that because the next two songs, these are all these have all been covered by people. That's a, kind of a, sta- a statement for how good they are. Number two, again, this could have been number one. It's that's when I reach for my revolver by Mission of Burma, and this is just such a good song to listen to when you're pissed off because you really you can feel when he's saying that's when I reach for my revolver. He can relate to him. That was covered by Moby. Moby really liked that song. Really likes Mr. Burma. Mr. Burma's not a band I have a lot by, but every time I hear them, I always think, yeah, I should pick up some Mission of Burma. And they've reformed, and their past couple releases have been pretty good. My number one punk rock song, Final Solution by Pierre Ubu. Final Solution, 
when you play that song, you know, he makes a statement. That statement is, I'm going to be punk rock. I'm going to be anti-establishment. It's the final solution. I'm going to wear my pants too tight. I don't care what my mom says. I don't care what people say. I'm fucking punk rock. Pierre Ubu says it. Peter Murphy covered it. And it is just a phenomenal song. I don't even have, and again, you know, what's interesting is I don't own a lot of Pierre Ubu. I don't even know if I want to, but that one song, you know, only thing you need by them, Final Solution. Best song, best punk rock song. So there you have it. Didn't cheat. You have an official top five list from Michael O.D. Mike, they're all official. It's all good. Uh, the, I thought the first one was totally valid, but I'm really glad that you sent the second one because that was awesome. Um, so check out uh, Michael's podcasts. Uh, the first one, Most People Are DJs, is at www.mostpeopleardjs.com. And he also does another excellent podcast on uh, comic books that are not about superheroes. You know, there's a lot of comic book podcasts out there, but Mike's the one who who covers the stuff that has nothing to do with capes and tights. And that can be found at www.supernot.com. That's S-U-P-E-R-N-O-T. So definitely check that out. So as I said, you know, uh, and you're probably looking at the at the timer and thinking, wait a second, this is an episode of Poptopia. This should have been over like a minute and a half ago. Yeah, that's right. We're at 17 minutes and 20 seconds, and uh, and we're still going. Oh, we live on the edge for the 100th episode here. That's right. Next up, I'm going to play something from another podcaster. The podcast is Never Was, and the podcaster is Terry McLean. And uh, what Never Was is, is it's a novel podcast or a podcast novel, whichever way you want to say it. Which came first, chicken, egg, I don't know. Anyway, what's, what happened is uh, Terry started off doing uh, a story called Shadowhunter. And he finished that, did some short stories, and now he's just started doing Buried in the Sand. This is a really cool podcast. If you're, I recommend it to anyone who's into fantasy, and also if you're into the idea of of, uh, of novels being uh, podcast, check it out because he does he does a bit of talking about that and sort of the process and the why he does it this way, and it's very very cool. And that's uh, available at www.mclaineweb.ca/slash never was. Anyway, take it away, Terry. Hello, this is Terrence McLean of the Never Was Podcast, congratulating Paul French on 100 episodes of Poptopia. In honor of this achievement, I have put together my top five science fiction characters. They are number five, Gaius Baltar from the new Battlestar Galactica. I just think he's gotten a little short end of the stick. Number four is Riddick from Pitch Black and the Chronicles of Riddick, just because sometimes it's fun to cheer for the bad guy. Number three is Susan Ivanova from Babylon 5. I just like her character. She's very strong, but also has a sense of humor. Number two is Hiro Nakamura from the TV show Heroes. Sometimes you just have to do what is right and not what is easy. And number one is John Crichton from Farscape. Because again, another strong character that uh, has some good humor. And once again, congratulations, Paul, on 100 episodes. Thanks so much, Terry. And you know, every now and then when you get that feeling of, you know, is anybody out there listening? Um, you know, can everybody get all this information from the Internet or, or what? You realize that they don't always necessarily do that. And, and uh, Terry often points out to me when there's something that, hey, I didn't know that. 
and uh, and uh, he and his wife are great supporters of the show, and I and I appreciate that from both of you. So thanks so much. Um, so moving on, speaking of supporters of the show, and and this guy, uh, a plus in my book, uh, is Derek Coward over at the uh, Deliberate Noise Podcast Network. I mean, this guy, you want to talk about a lot of podcasts? I think I'm busy between Poptopia and Hockey Strike. Um, this guy's got comic book noise. There's deliberate noise. There's there's, there's more noises than I know what to do with, and uh, and they're, they're all really great. And I think uh, that Derek has this knack for really putting things in perspective, and uh, that's something I really enjoy about his show. And um, and and at, Derek's another one that uh, the you know on the forum over at thecomicforums.com, uh, Derek has often uh, posted some interesting things in the threads that that uh, you know where where it's things. Hey, I didn't know about that either. And uh, so Derek's always a great go-to for some information and also for uh, for a good shot in the arm to make sure that I'm getting the shows out on a regular basis. And I'm really glad that he was able to participate, too. So here he is, Derek Coward. Hey, Paul, this is Derek Coward from the Deliberate Noise Network, and I just want to congratulate you on 100 episodes. And to commemorate the moment, I would like to give a top five list. And these are top five things that I am looking forward to at the end of the year 2007, going into 2008. Number five, Chinese Democracy by uh, Guns N' Roses. We keep hearing it's coming out. And, you know, I don't even listen to mainstream music anymore, but I have to get this album. It's just a matter of principle. Number four, Final Crisis from DC Comics. You know, they're doing... Uh, something called Countdown, and it's counting down to Final Crisis, you know, and then after that, hopefully, DC and possibly even Marvel will take a break from all of the major crossover events. Getting sick of them. Number three, The Sarah Connor Chronicles. The pilot, which I have seen, is a direct sequel to uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and it looks really good. I can't wait to see where it's going to go on from there. Uh, number two, Cloverfield, the new J.J. Abrams movie. You know, I'm more excited about this than I thought I would be. I don't know what's going on. Like everybody else, I've seen the trailer. I've heard some behind-the-scenes things. I mean, I know it's not a zombie film, but I don't know much past that. And I, I can't wait. And the number one thing that I'm looking forward to at the end of 2000, going into 2008, is... Uh, Episode 101 of Poptopia. You've been um, slipping there on the schedule there a little bit, buddy. <laughs> Just kidding, Paul. Love the show. And if I have to wait till 2008 for the next episode, I will do so gladly. Take it easy. Yeah, well, he's got me there. He's got me there. The uh, schedule does kind of get a little liquid from time to time. Things are crazy busy sometimes, and uh, and it kind of ends up being the first thing to go. But we're going to try and keep that uh, back down to the uh, to the once a week schedule, and we'll try and get back to that because, I mean, there's a, there's shows that I started uh, long before that are up to many many more episodes. Uh, one of those is, of course, Comic Geek Speak. Uh, who is who is going to be celebrating their 300th episode very soon? And uh, and I've really got to give props to the guys at, uh, at Comic Geek Speak. Uh, they uh, aired an exclusive episode uh, of Poptopia on their feed last week, and I got some fantastic feedback from a lot of people uh, who checked out the show and who have subscribed to the show. And I'm really grateful for all of those of you that have uh, that have now joined us as a result of that. And I'm also very grateful to the guys at Comic Geek Speak for uh, for allowing me to uh, to utilize their feed like that, and um, and also for hosting the Poptopia Forum. Uh, 
And that's right, you can join folks like myself and uh, Mr. Derek Coward, who you just heard, on the forum. You just go to, uh, well, there's a couple of ways you can get there. You can go to our website, www.poptopiapodcast.com, and click on, on the link that says forum, and it'll take you right there. Or you can go to thecomicsforums.com, and there's all kinds of forums there. And uh, somewhere in the middle of the list there is the Poptopia forum. But by by signing up, you're able to participate in all of those forums. And it's a really fantastic community and uh, really, really a great community to be a part of. And um, and uh, really got to thank the Comic Geek Speak guys for, for really making that happen. And, um, you know, they're uh, really, really generous with, uh, with, with, with their time and, and space in order to do all those kind of things. So do try and come over there and uh, join us in talking about all things pop culture. Thanks for being here for uh, for the 100th episode. Thanks for checking out all the episodes that you've checked out. And I hope you'll be with us for 100 more, which I'm really, really going to guarantee right now. You've heard it right here, right now. I'm saying that it will, in fact, be less than uh, two and a half years before we get to the next 100th episode, which will be 200, of course. See, I can do math. Anyway, that's all the time we got for today. Comments, as always, are welcome at poptopiapodcast at gmail.com. And as I said, you can join us on the forum. We'd love to have you over there. Thanks, and have a fantastic week.